Lord is good. I say the Lord is good. If you believe, give me an amen. amen. All right, let's declare God's word together. If you already want to go, now I declare. God has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. Understand it, if you believe it's coming to you today, give me another amen. amen. If you believe that God will speak a word that will help you today, give me an amen. amen. Say, I receive it. I receive it. My, own my own word that will help me today. Say it again. Say, I receive it. I have understanding. I have insight. I receive wisdom. In the name of Jesus. All right. The Lord is good. Let's take our seats quickly. Let's get into our teaching for today. All right. So we have been looking at the book of Colossians and Ephesians, the letters of Paul to those two churches. Let me just take a moment and quickly review some things. Uh, that we have been looking at. Of course, we are trying to understand the Bible. We are trying to understand words. We are trying to understand the things that Paul said, what God gave to him as revelation. We just want to go step by step. All right? I'm modifying what we are, uh, how, how we are going about it uh, so that we can group topics that Paul talked about. So you might find us that um, we may just read different portions, but mostly from that particular book. Put them together and bring out the particular thoughts that he's trying to pass across to the people of God. Now, remember, we said there are three kinds of letters that Paul wrote. There were personal letters, Timothy, Titus, all right, people like that. And then there were occasional letters. I'm using the words that David Paulson used now. That is occasional letters. These ones are written to a particular church. It has a name on it and it's supposed to address, all right, personal issues that are going on in that place at that time. Things that have to do with that assembly. And then there are general letters or encyclicals. Letters that he expected many people to read. And it's believed that the one that is now labeled the book of Ephesians is one of those letters. Originally, Acre didn't have the name Ephesians on it. All right? It was just later on located in that particular church. So that's the, and there are many reasons why uh, theologians and those who do what they call textual criticisms, they have discovered that. But I'm not going to go through any one of those things because it's not our main um, uh, uh, plan. It's not what we desire all right, to learn. What we just want are the doctrines that are inside them. All right? Where Paul was when he was writing is not an issue with us now unless it has, it has a way of helping us understand the doctrine. If it doesn't, I won't just bother talking about it. Who started the church in Ephesus? Who started the church in Colossae? Who started churches in different places is not the issue now. It's just the doctrines, all right? We only go into those things if it appears like they will help us understand the doctrines better. So we've been looking at that. So we said the book of Colossians was written first, and then the book of Ephesians afterwards. But we are going to look at them together so as to bring out those doctrines that may be found in both of them. In fact, I was studying and I found that somebody actually made a table on different doctrines and showing the verses of Scripture both in Ephesians and Colossians, where Paul talked about both of them. 
So we're going to follow that and just bring out, um, like I mentioned, doctrine so that we can understand. All right, so last time we read uh, extensively from the book of Colossians chapter 1. We read a long portion from both books, actually. We read Colossians 1, 11 to the end of that chapter and then into chapter 2, into verse 5. Then we jump to chapter 2, read about six, uh, five verses from 11 to 15. We also read from Ephesians 1, 1 to 12, and then added a portion of chapter 2, 10 verses, the first 10 verses in chapter 2. And then last time we talked about different kingdoms. In fact, we ended up labeling last, last Tuesday's message, kingdoms dynamics, that is, dynamics of various kingdoms and deliverance, how the, that thing happens. Uh, please, let me just remind us again. Sometimes you hear me talk, it is not because I'm not aware. So people sometimes make it seem as if this pastor doesn't know some things. I know those things. It's just that I know beyond those things. That's the issue. For example, why is, somebody's bound? why is somebody bound? They will say a Christian is bound. A witch bound a Christian. And then it was when the witch confessed, the guy became free. And I say it's not true. There are people who are bound and witches confessed and the fellow became free. The problem with that is another bondage is coming up ahead. I don't know whether are you getting my point here. The problem is that another bondage is coming. If you were bound by a witch or evil forces, and then they confessed, another bondage is coming up right ahead. All right? This, these are the things we must understand. You know, I was discussing with my wife. Uh, let me just tell this story. I was telling you, I'll use this as an illustration. Oh, no. The one we were talking about earlier. You know, um, a woman had problems with her husband for years, and finally my wife was giving me the gist that they reconciled. So I wanted to know the story of the reconciliation. And there was some spiritual aspect to it. Initially, the man was, there was accusation against his wife by these evil people. They're all over the place. And they are not my problem. They are, they, you can't eradicate them from this earth. They will always be there. Telling the man that the reason why you're having problems, the reason why this and this is because your wife wants to kill you. That strained the family for years. Then recently, they reconciled. Why? Because in the process, they went somewhere to pray, all right? And a prayer place. And then the man revealed, the, the man of God, that this woman is not doing anything to this man. And that you guys are just trying to stress the family. And, and because it was a respected and believed man of God, they believed him. That ended the problem. And he gave, let me put it like this, he gave maybe like a word of knowledge. He will say things, point to people. You, this is what you are trying to do. This is what you are trying to do. All right? And then people began to pray and all of that. So my wife was very happy about it. It was a good thing, all right? It's, they are reconciled. But I told my wife something. I said, that, that is not even up to, I told her half deliverance, but I'm looking at it. It's not even up to half. That deliverance is so temporary. I said, oh, girl, you have to continue to pray. Because, you see, you look, look at the basis of the deliverance. Look at the basis of the reconciliation. The basis is like, I have now found out that you are not my enemy. I don't know whether you are getting my point. If tomorrow I find out that you become my enemy, and I look, just by the way, let me just emphasize, it is not as if the woman was an enemy. In fact, there is no enemy. The only enemies are those who are trying to separate them. What was the main problem? That people, a man can sit down and believe that my wife can be conjuring up spirits against me. And somebody from outside will come and tell, is that mindset, is that state of heart that's not yet free, that's my, confu- that's my, 
my concern. That's what is, I'm, that's, I don't want to use the worry. That's why I'm concerned for people. Are you getting my point? Listen, that's, and that's why we're going through this. For us to understand that there's what is called true deliverance. Last time we discussed, I don't want to repeat that message again today. There are principles that different kingdoms operate. In Christ, we, are, we belong to a kingdom that's very high. So, if you told me now that uh, my wife joined the witch's coven, I will let you know that I have the power to incapacitate them just by being a husband. I will just look and say, henceforth, you can't go to meetings. And I'll go and sleep. Go and read your Bible. You will know that God gave powers to husbands that said that if a woman makes a commitment to God, if the husband hears, he annuls it. He doesn't like it. And says to God, that thing my wife said, she was smoking. It will not hold. This is why, you know, <laughs> people don't understand. That is, a woman goes to church and says, I pledge, no, I will, I will do this to God. And, and you know the truth? If I found out now that my wife made a pledge to God last year, God just gives me some time to consider it. And no matter I hear it, I'll say, baby girl, I hereby annul that pledge. Because it's annulled. <laughs> that is why if them is a, if my wife go join COVID, I say, I hereby return that blood to your vein. <laughs> and any COVID that decides to hold it, they will burn. Why? Because a man said that blood can't stay there. See why I don't worry about those things. That's why I'm talking about real deliverance. So king, you must understand the kingdom you operate in. And let's not mix the kingdoms. That's what we discussed last time. So many of these stories you hear, they are stories of another kingdom. We have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. We are now in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why we have redemption. That is why we are free. Let me just drop this before we go into today's teaching. Don't let, don't be enticed. Please, preach with me. Tell somebody, don't be enticed. What I mean by don't be enticed? This is when Satan wants to confuse people. He starts with good things. But there's enticement. For example, you will dream a good dream and you hold on to the good dream that something good will happen. And that good thing happens. The day you will not dream a bad dream, you now realize that your dreams are very accurate. You've been enticed. Anything... Only hold on to God's word. Don't hold on to your dreams. If your dreams come and say something that's good and it looks like it's in keeping with scripture, hold on to the scripture. If the dream helps you understand, fine. That's what I mean by when I, say, when I say don't be enticed. Superstition, don't believe it even if it's good. Oh, you woke up on this part of the bed, it means that something good happened. You heard this one before. You wore, in, you wore your cloth inside out, it means you will receive money. If you wore your cloth inside out by accident, it is just simply that you wore your cloth inside out by accident. Remove it and turn it. It does not mean you will receive money. The only proof you will receive money is that the Bible says the Lord is your shepherd you shall not want. Is that he says he will make all grace abound towards you. You will have all sufficiency in all things. You are bound to every good work. That's all. As a, the, the direction you wore your cloth means nothing. Because if you accept that one, you have been enticed. People like stories of deliverance. 
One man testifies finally about how they overcame the witch. Very funny. And we get excited over it. There are testimonies I don't, if, if I'm the pastor of a church, you don't share it. Then we're praying and then the witch began to catch fire. Just, be, just between me and you. I will hear it in my office. I said, the Lord bless thee, the Lord keep thee, I sprinkle holy water on your head, go home. That testimony is not living that office. That's how you will go out now and confuse people thinking that they need their, they need their witches to burn. When we were in school that time, we did a drama. And I remember when we were plotting the drama, it was titled Touch Not. It was in an African setting, of course. And I wanted to explain that in that drama, what we wanted to do was to show the deliverance that we have in Christ, actually. I remember when we were playing the drama, at the last part of it, there's supposed to be some occultic activities against a young man who had given his life to Christ. And so, the last portion that he was supposed to be praying, okay, and then they were running the two scenes side by side. So we, there's a big stage, we could do, you know, the way, if it's a, if it's TV or, or you know, a screen, you can do that. But stage, we just share the stage and try to get that same effect. So far away, a man was releasing all kinds of incantations against the young man. And then the, the idea was at that point he would be praying. So as soon as he says, in the name of Jesus, you know, something like that, then there will be thunder and lightning on his side. So I looked at it, then even as a young student, I said, guys, that's not good. So that one is not good. We will not rearrange it. This is how it came. That day, when I got to that scene, the guy got to his room. Um, just, you know, feeling sleepy. Lay down on his bed, and as that man was doing all of that, thunder and lightning were striking on the other end. You know what he was doing? He was scratching his head like, anything here to eat? That is, we made sure that there was no connection with what he was, between what he was doing and what was happening elsewhere. And one sister... Just walked up to the end and said, Ah, no, no, I really like that drama. The part I like most is that portion in which the man was just at home casually, not knowing battles were being fought on his behalf. The way the drama went, he never knew what happened. That was what we tried to emphasize. That whether you are well, it's not when you are praying that God is fighting your enemies. No, 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 no. It's just when people are against people that God loves. If God loves a people, loves a person, you know what he said to Abraham? I like the Bible in basic English there. That Genesis chapter 12. He said, if anybody does you favors, if anybody is nice to you, good to you, I will bless them. Now, if, if they bless you, it shall be well with you. Then I will say to them, it shall be well with you. He said, once they are good to you, I pour a blessing on them. And then if they are mean, they are harsh against you, then kill my curse. I don't have to be aware that they are planning it. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. Listen, we're talking about kingdoms. We're in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. We are. Please, if you were not around last time, make sure you get the CD of last week. I talked about it extensively. Many of these prayers we pray these days are prayers that are born out of experience of natural man. A man grew up where there were a lot of witches. He becomes a Christian. He wants to continue the fight, but now he's fighting it in Christ. I don't know whether I get my point. Before, he used to use juju to fight the other jujus, right? But now he will now use Christ to fight the other jujus. He's still fighting. What are we teaching? He has risen above the level of fight 
is now in the level of Christ. His fight now is a fight of faith, not fight between one coven and another. That is why I say it again. God is my witness. I don't lie. I've never lied about it. I have never opened my mouth to pray against the witches or the enemies that are arrayed against me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> my prayer every time is, Father God, are we doing what we are supposed to be doing? Give us understanding. Let's have insight. How do we obey you better? Remember our prayer. Fill us with the knowledge of your will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So we can walk in a manner that is worthy of you. To please you in all respects. So we might bear fruit in every good work. And increase in the knowledge of God. That's the prayer. We are in a different kingdom. Amen? Amen. Now let's come to our school of Bible exegesis. Now, all the ones we read last time, we are not done with explaining some of the things in them. I picked, up, uh, picked out a few words from a few verses or a few phrases that we need to explain. And then, like I said, you know, we're trying to understand doctrine. But to kick off that, today we'll read a bit again. Some of them we read last time, so I'll be quick, then we'll add a bit to it. Remember, we are reading both Ephesians and Colossians together. So right now, let's read from the book of Colossians chapter 1. I will be re- quick with this because we read it last time. A lot of it we read. So let's quickly jump to... Now, I want to read today from the book of... Uh, from verse 15. We read that last time, so I will be quick. But just, we need to talk about these things again. And some things we missed. Of course, we are saying so many things. So I just wanted to go back to some words. Again, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. That's New Living Translation I'm reading. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realm. Now, I want want you to follow this. And on earth, in the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ, he says, is the head of the church, which is his body. We talked about that last time extensively. He is the, he is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. That is that Jesus Christ is the embodiment, was the embodiment of God on the earth. If you wanted to know what God was like, you looked at Christ Jesus. If you wanted to know what made God happy, you looked at how Jesus reacted to things. If you wanted to know what made God sad, you looked at how Jesus reacted to things. There was a time Jesus said, uh, Philip said, will you now show us the Father? And Jesus looked at him and said, have you been with me all this while and you are still telling me you want to see the Father? When you see the Father, what will you see that is different from what you have seen? I don't know whether you are getting the point. You've been with me all this while. He said, listen, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. There is nothing. He wasn't saying I'm the Father because he made it clear. He used to pray to the Father. Some people confuse that. They said Jesus is the Father. No, he made it clear. That he's not the father. He has the father in heaven. He said, but if the father came, he will look like this. He will talk like this. He will behave like this. He will laugh like this. He will eat like this. So what do you gain 
from seeing him. You know, when you want to see something, you want to be able to recognize the thing. You want to be able to see what it is like. And what was he saying? Exactly what the father is like is what I am like. Do you follow what I'm going to explain here? That, that is, I am the exact image of the father. And fa- the father dwelt in him and still dwells in him. Very important to understand that. Now, let's continue reading. So he said in verse, um, verse 20, And through him, the father now, that is God, reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth, and by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away. There's one thing I have in mind for today. I'm getting there now. You were his enemies, separated from him by evil thoughts. Please notice this. These are the things that separate people from God. He said you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Please notice the past tense talk all right, as was going on. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. It's interesting. He's telling Christians they have no fault. This is the point is how God sees them. God sees them through Christ. He doesn't see them through what they have done. He sees them through Christ. If, look, listen, you will do yourself a lot of disservice trying to present yourself to God outside of Christ. I hope you are getting my point. And that's what, you know, what's the, I, I said something before, that the mercy of God has a name. And what is the name of the mercy of God? Jesus, all right? And when that man came to pray, two men went to pray, Jesus said, he said one was bragging on what he had done. Another one said, have mercy on me. Show mercy to me. I know I am a sinner. And Jesus said that one went home justified. It's a perfect way to look at what it means to be seen in Christ and out of Christ. The second man, if it was after Jesus died and rose from the dead, we could say that he presented himself in Christ under the cover of the mercy of God. Under the cover of the blood of Jesus. But the other man, when he came, mm-hmm, what were the things he said? I am not like other men. Pride. I fast twice a week. Walks of the flesh. I give tithes of everything I have, that I have. Walks. He pleaded his works. His flesh, his works. Everything came together when he wanted to pray. So the father had no choice but to look at him as he was. He could not be seen in Christ. And that's what I want to emphasize. Don't ever forget. If God sees you in Christ, he doesn't see your faults. You are the one that will determine whether you will be seen in Christ or out of Christ. Let me prove it. He said, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That is, each person chooses where he wants to dwell. I made a statement last time. Let me say it again. I said, you don't prosper because you give. You prosper so you can give. There's a word of difference. Very important you get it. You don't prosper because you give. You prosper so you can give. What is the basis of prosperity? Christ. You will see something. We said it last time. We'll repeat it again. Paul said, make sure you stand firm in this truth. Paul, now here he was talking. That God reconciled you to himself 
through the death of Christ Jesus in the physical body, that is, Jesus died on the cross. As a result, he brought, I'm, I'm trying to bring out the past tense, he brought you into his presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's how he sees you. Please, I hope you are getting my point. People get into trouble when they step out of Christ. Let's continue reading. He said, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. That's the whole message, Abby. Apostle gave me it. It's not one message, it's 20 messages. Please get our series, Total Faith. Very important. Anything preached on faith, get it. Because faith takes the work that God did. Faith accepts it as done. He said, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. You must continue to believe that you are no longer separated from the Father, but you have been reconciled to Him. You must continue to believe that you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. That is what is called righteousness. I preach a set of messages on radio. No, we have a set of messages here titled, True Righteousness Revealed. And I also preach that on radio. Alright, how to attain to righteousness. The attainment of righteousness. Please get this series, listen to it. Because Christianity is different from the other religions of the world. If you are a Muslim, you are a Hindu, you are a Buddhist, whatever it is. What you are trying to do is to get yourself to a particular place. You want to please God so he can call you righteous. In Christianity it's different. You start by being called righteous. Then you start doing the works of righteousness. Righteousness is not a result of what you did. Righteousness, the righteous works, are things you do only because you are righteous. A child that is born does not become a human being because he grew. A child that is born does not become a human being because she learned to speak. A child that is born does not become a human being because she learned to walk. She does not become a human being. He does not become anything because of anything that he or she did. The day she was born, Jesus said, she rejoices because a man has been born into the world. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the agony, all right, of childbirth. And I said, after everything, what is rejoicing about? A man. <laughs> are you getting my point? So the day the fellow was born was a person. They now began to learn to do things. So that if you get to a point, the child is not talking. You say, why not? He's supposed to be talking by now. They, they, they won't say, let us wait and find out whether it's really a human being or not. Are you getting my point? That's something I try to emphasize to Christians. We don't become because of what we are, trying, we are doing. We are already so we can do. Listen, that's what Christianity is about. Christianity, that's why it's different. Everybody is trying to attain holiness in every religion. This is interesting. When I heard stories, when I heard, um, I read uh, uh, things about Islam and all of that, I, you know, let me repeat this story again. This man, um, Paul Ginodu. Paul Ginodu, I told the story, I, I've told the story once in a while, even though sometimes I forget his name. Paul Ginodu was a, a, a Muslim from Ibadan, around that area anyway, or your state. From a polygamous home, because of the rivalry, you know, the way it is, I will tell you about witches and different, uh-huh. everybody was in the kingdom of darkness. So the mother feared for his life, 
arranged many years ago for the young man to go to school in the UK. Now, they, they said, and I've heard it from different places, and please, Christians, you have to be careful that you don't bring this gospel of works to Christianity. They say, as a Muslim, there are five tenets of Islam. One of them, anyway, you pray five times a day. And the man was told to pray five times a day. He grew up as a Muslim. And this is how it is. If you miss praying five times today, you're supposed to make up for it tomorrow. Pray ten times. Or you spread over the next few days. If you pray six times every day for five days, you'll have covered. That's how bad it is. The man was in school for a few years. So you can imagine how much prayer he was owing. Then one day he went for a crusade. And before his very eyes, somebody invited him. Before his very eyes, he saw the power of God demonstrated. He saw a crippled man rise up and begin to walk. And the person was sitting beside him. Not um, magic. Somewhere somebody said, no. The person happened to be beside him. He screamed. So when they say, who will give your life to Christ? This is the point I'm getting to. He discovered by the experiences during that crusade that Jesus is alive. That the God of Christians is actually real. He did not for one moment doubt that the God of the Muslims is not the true God or anything. That was not, it was not questioned. Why did he choose to be a Christian? They told him that Jesus offers forgiveness. But where he's coming from, there is no forgiveness. You have to work to pay for your sins. And from the information I've heard, if you die a Muslim, it's guesswork. You don't know what to happen. You just hope. No, hope is not, it's a firm word in, in, in Bible. You just wish, you desire, and you, you know, it's a gamble. That when I die, whether I'll go to heaven or go to hell, let God decide. You are hoping he will weigh your good works. And I was listening to people analyze this. He said, that's why suicide bombers do what they do. Because that is the only guarantee of heaven that they, that they are taught. There's no other guarantee. So the teaching is that the only way you can be guaranteed is kill yourself in the fight for the religion. So that's why men die, you know, gladly. Because for you, you wouldn't do that because they told you, you give your life to Christ, now you are safe. Ah, okay, oh. <laughs> yeah, you get my point. You are excited. There's nothing else. What is There's nothing else. You are trying. Nothing else. In Christianity, listen, this is a matter of fact. Everything is given to you as a gift. Holiness is given as a gift. You must understand. Oh, you know the truth? People don't understand the power of Christ yet. It, look, listen. You don't... How, how do I explain this? Have you ever driven on this road at night? You know there are girls on the road left and right at night. Not night-night. I mean, once it's 8.30, drive. They're lining the road. They're not selling anything. The ones that sell are on this side. <laughs> selling recharge cards. <laughs> no, those are selling phone credits, selling bread. They're on this side. But once you turn into that hotel avenue, you know what I'm trying to say? They're food there. Let me tell you the power of Christ. I want to explain something to you. If one of those girls, after being on that road for five years, gives her life to Christ, and you place her here and put one very good, clean reverend sister beside her, God can't see the difference. He can't see the difference. He can't see the difference. And listen to me. 
Now, I want to say something that will scare many of you. If a friend of yours, a believer, one day now says he's engaged, he wants to marry, you now see a sister there, and you recognize her, she used to stand on that road. If you open your mouth and call that man aside and warn him, you have stepped out of a blessing into a curse with your mouth. You have called the blood of Jesus. You have insulted the blood of Christ. Hey, people don't know what they call Christ. They don't. That's what pays me. See this rubbish doctrine we preach. Give so you can prosper. You don't know what they call Christ. If you know him, you won't talk that nonsense. People don't know what they call Christ. That is, if you call your friend and say, Hey, Emeka, what are you trying to do? I beg, go. I'm not saying anything, no. I just want you to know. I used to see her here. Eh? I beg, go and find a serious wife to marry. God says, this is why your business will never do well. Because you have no faith in the blood that you claim to be the one protecting you. You have no faith. The blood works now. You're saying it can't work. Then you go home and say, that blood healed my child. That blood prosper me. That blood forgive me my sins. Jesus said, no, you don't believe in it. You don't know what they call Christ. Many people, we, don't, we, we, we don't know. That's why Paul said, this is why I labor. I want people to get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. That was why Paul got up and looked at Peter and said, shame on you, Peter. Shame on you. Why? They sat down to eat. Some were Jews. Some were Gentiles. And Peter began to draw back. Paul said, Jesus. Peter, shame on you. Paul couldn't believe it. That what are you saying? So you know this preaching we do these days. And I say, Jew, you are special. I, I sat one woman down the other day. Oh, senior woman, not my mate. mate. Isn't that you know we're talking? He said, you know, Jews are special. I said, please answer these questions for me. I started asking simple questions. I, amongst the just give a few. Are you telling me an Arab, a descendant of Ishmael that has believed, is inferior to an, a, a Jew that has not believed? The answer is obviously no. I said, good. Are you telling me a Jew can be saved outside of Christ? The answer is obviously no. I ran through many of those questions. I said, are you saying, do you agree with me that for a Jew to be saved, they have to step into Christ? The answer was yes. Do you agree with me that for a Gentile to be saved, they have to step into Christ? The answer was yes. So now it's a simple question. So what is special about being a Jew? He said, I don't know. They are special. God used them. I said, okay. All right. Answer me. Are you saying that God used them? Say yes. I said, and I agree with that. But what was God doing through them? He was bringing Christ to the earth. And when he brought Christ to the earth, he said, it is over. It is done. And I said, from now on, anybody wants anything, they get it in Christ. My dear sister said to me, I don't know. I, I said, he said, no, I, 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 I love them because, you know, they, 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 I said, they are God's chosen. I said, are they God's chosen or they were God's? I said, who is God's chosen people now? He has one. Christians. Christ people. Let's look, drop the word Christians for a moment. So it don't be a church matter. Christ people. You know how I concluded the discussion? He said, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I just like them. I said, me, I like encounter people. I hope we're okay. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, you like Israels, Israelites? 
I like encounter people. I said, sure, we're okay. It's a matter of personal choice. He said, okay. I said, fine, let's leave it there. I'm okay with that. I don't know why I chose encounter, but I just, that was what came to my mouth. <laughs> no, because I said, look, so we have now agreed that it's a matter of what you like to like. You like to like these people. I like to like these people. And if I get up tomorrow, I decide to like Iraqis. Don't quarrel. Because all of them, Jesus died for them. Oh, may we understand what Christ is. Oh. Amen. In Christianity, you are taken and you are, you are without fault. That's what he said. Every fault you had, he said, it's been washed away. He said, make sure you come to believe this truth and stand firmly. It's your works. That is where it comes in. It's not to get you there. It's a sign that you are standing there. Are you getting my point? It doesn't bring you in there. That's why I say it like this. You don't prosper because you give. You prosper so you can give. And generosity is a sign of faith. It's a sign of faith. That's why you don't write what you have given down. You just take it as one of those things. Thank God for what I have been able to do. Why? I'm blessed. And blessing has different levels. There are those who can give 10,000 naira. 5,000 naira, 20 naira, 1 million, 5 million. So if you are offering level or gift level, blessing level to, for people is 50, 50 naira, you are still blessed. If you have reached the level where you can dash people 5 million naira, give offerings 5 million, 10 million, you are still blessed. It is not let me give 5 naira so that I can be blessed. I will not be able to give 1 million. No, 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 no. Life is in phases. Men are sizes. The other day I told my son, we used to joke about, we play with him in the house. He will always be gathering money. After a while, he, like if, if, if he dash my son, 10 naira, now, 10 naira, victory, he will run and come and give his mommy. His mom will file the money for him. Now, I can imagine a child that's getting 10 naira periodically. Maybe this um, holiday period, heavy money may enter his hand, comes to 2,000. At the end of the year, if he gathers everything he has from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, how much will it come to? So one day I sat him down. I said, what do you want now? When I said I sat him down, this was last year. And by that time, he was, um, how old is your son? I don't know. <laughs> huh? Okay, he's eight now. Okay, so last year he was seven. So I sat him down and said, okay, what do you want to do with the money that you have gathered? No, he's not eight now. He was eight last year. Okay, okay, his own birthday is late in the year. Okay, it's true. You know, the mothers always know. <laughs> now, so, then, so he was seven. I said, what do you want to do with this money that you've gathered? He said, um, maybe, no, maybe, he, he couldn't think. Maybe pay my school fees. <laughs> he, he talks like that. He's like that kind of person, you know. Somebody say, thank God for prosperity. Thank God for prosperity. Say, thank God for blessing. What am I saying? So he, did, he couldn't come up with a good thing to say he would do with the money. Because he couldn't say I would save for a whole year to buy ice cream. He, at that age, knew it made no sense. Because ice cream is a Sunday matter. You can just, they are coming from church. How many ice cream should just deviate, drive to the mall, buy ice cream, buy the big jug, they bring it home, everybody shares it. He couldn't think, I mean, they don't buy him clothes. So I sat him down finally. I said, you know what we're going to do? At the end of the year, we know one, um, 
what they call it, one, not orphanage, now what they call it. Anyway, there's a home for where they help uh, disadvantaged people somewhere there, all right? I said, we will drive there, you will put in an envelope, and you will give it to them. He was happy that that's a good idea. So we didn't do it last year. I think he still has the money that we'll do it later. Okay? But the point is that I'm not giving him a new project. So now you are saving money to help the poor. And the boy said, good. No, I'm saying all of that. When he finished saving all this money, that's, let's assume it came be a big, a big sum. Huge sum. Two five. <laughs> Two thousand five. No, get my point. It's 20, 20, 10, 10, 10 that I'm talking about. Now, I want you to understand something. That is, when he's dropping that money, it's small, right? But why was he able to drop it? Because God has met all his needs. He doesn't pay house rent. He doesn't pay food rent. Is there anything like that? He doesn't pay school rent. He doesn't pay school <laughs> clothes rent. Everything is provided. So whatever little extra he gets... Whatever comes into his hand now, it can totally 100% be given out. You see how giving is a sign of prosperity. Now, this little boy just maybe can give out 500 from that his gathering. But it's a sign of prosperity. He's not giving a million, but that little he's giving is what? A sign. Why? Because somebody is supplying all his needs. Listen, anything you drop is a sign of prosperity. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. It's not like I'm trying to give it so I can get. It is that when my father is taking care of everything, that is why I can give. Giving for him is not a problem because there's no other thing he's trying to think about. I sat in the night, what do you do with the money? I didn't know that. The only thing that makes sense is we actually go and give it to those who need it. I'm going to emphasize something here. For us believers, adults, we walk by what? By faith. I don't hold on to it. Imagine the boy who is holding his little savings of 10, 10, 20, 20, Releasing it is a sign that somebody else is taking care of him. Anytime you release money, it's a sign that somebody else is taking care of you. That's the point I'm making. That's, that's the believer's mentality. He, he can't give a hundred thousand naira. Yes, fine. That's his level. You too, you can't give a hundred thousand naira. Fine. That's your level. A day is coming when you'll be able to do that. A day is coming when you'll be able to do that. But before that day comes, you're already prosperous. Somebody say amen. amen. That's Christianity. That's what I'm trying to teach. Paul said, we stand firm in truths. When we know something, we stand firm in it. Our works are the ways by which we stand firm. We don't do anything because we want to be accepted. We want to be forgiven. I said something on radio when I was teaching. I said, look, people are talking about uh, restitution. I said, look, let's get some facts clear first. Penance, restitution. Whatever it is, whether it is restitution or penance, whatever it is, get it into your head. First of all, it can't pay for your sins. I explained the point. Assuming you stole 10,000 naira. And then you had the 10,000 complete. We're talking about natural plane. And you go and return it after five days. There's a simple question here. Did you ever steal? Yes. No, answer now. Did you ever steal? Yes. Good. So you're a thief. Returning it has not cancelled the fact that you're a thief. If we have to put records of those who stole, you queue up. <laughs> we may have to put a record of those who refunded, but you stole and then refunded. You're a thief that's refunded money. What am I going to say? 
The act of stealing is, 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 is a sin. Returning it is not forgiveness. It is the blood of Jesus that can ensure forgiveness. I need to emphasize that. You must understand it. Restitution, if, if, I don't know how many of you listen to the broadcast, I explained that it's handled on a case-by-case basis. Alright? Because you can't steal your mo- my money. You say you could repent and you are still with it. You did not repent. <laughs> are you getting my point? No, you did not repent. You did not repent. Whether you returned it or not, it's what I'm trying to emphasize. It does not make you forgiven. Because sin is a force. You've released it into the atmosphere. Your returning it is not powerful enough because sin is disobedience. Obedience today does not cancel that disobedience of yesterday. The only thing that cancels it is a blood sacrifice. I hope you are getting my point. So even if you return money, that's, that's why, listen, and a, a person who doesn't believe in Christ, who changes his ways, will still go to hellfire. 